Jackson throws. Oh, what a grab! Touchdown, Mark Andrews! Chubb cuts it upfield and a zigzag move to the outside. Second down and three. Big hole. Edwards Alaire will take it to the end zone. Taylor going deep and looking for Williams. He's got him! What a catch and throw! Drop low to throw. Mostert with an opening. Mostert's got great speed and nobody in front of him. Raheem Mostert is going to take it to the house. Wilson wants it all. Deep ball. Metcalf got it. Touchdown Seattle. Lost the football. Ball comes loose. Wentz has time. Loads it up. Going deep down the field for Jalen Rager. He's got it. After a super strong start at Wentz near side. And that is intercepted. Trouble. Sack ball is loose. Picked up by Washington. It's Kerrigan. Washington has it with a strip sack. Hello everybody from Brit Towers. Uh, myself and Mason um, are recording separately this week due to the busy nature of week one. So um, we're going to crack on with the show. Mason's going to have two interviews for you this week. He's going to sit down and have a long chat with Murph, uh, the GM of Bristol Trojans. And he's also going to sit down and uh, find some quick questions to Alan, the GM of Bolton Rebels. And they're going to talk about that tour pick. He's also going to cover the scores and the lowdown on the BFU divisions and myself I'm gonna go over a few bits of news and I'm gonna go through the top three tiers for you from week one it's been a hell of a week one uh, thanks guys and uh, let's crack on with the show so a few uh, team changes uh, GMs and a rebrand this week. I'd just like to welcome in the new GMs at Clipper Warhawks, uh, Big Ammo, and at uh, Gateshead Ninjas. Phil, welcome. Welcome to the Madhouse. Um, there's also been a rebrand. The GM of the Gloucester Hurricanes in the BFU West left. Um, I was going to take interim charge this weekend, but uh, Morgan has stepped in from the United States. He's the brother of Mason. And uh, there's been a rebrand there. The Gloucester Hurricanes will now be known as the West Coast Mariners. So I'll make the amendments on that. But they're the uh, new GMs coming in this week. Best of luck, guys. This is going to be your first week. Uh, Morgan's straight in at the deep end. And I know he's been studying the roster last night. And the other two guys, um, they've been looking and putting their waivers in. And I've had their requests. So it'll be their first game this week as well. So all the best, fellas. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, this is Mason coming at you live and uh, the BFU standing. So without further ado, we're going to start off in the East. The Seacats beat the Warhawks 238 to 155. That's pretty bad. The Redbacks lost to the Firebirds 240 to 207. The Sea Devils lost to the Griffins 228 to 156. The Bulldogs lost to the Stingrays, 185 to 194. So top four in the East that are all currently 1-0. The Firebirds are in first, Seacats second, Griffins third, Stingrays fourth. And your top three waiver priority coming in at one, the Griffins, number two, Redbacks, number three, your Bulldogs. All right, moving on over to the Wild West. The Hurricanes lost to the Bears, 195 to 178. The 
Newport T-Rex beat the Bulls 220 to 178. The Thoroughbreds get 146 and lose to St. Helens, who got 194. The Talons beat the Commodores 228 to 177. So your top four in the West. First are the Talons. Second, T-Rex. Third, Bears. Fourth, the Broadswords. And your waiver priority top three, the Bears, Hurricanes, and Commodores. Moving on down there to the south. Yee-hee! Uh, the Devils losing to the Valiants, 234 to 183. Jurassic Coast beating the Harley Quinns, 210 to 161. The Blues losing to Gibraltar, 215 to 173. And the Clippers beating the Ravens, 222 to 196. Your top four in the south. Number one, the Valiants. Number two, the Clippers. Number three, Gibraltar. Number four, Jurassic Coast. And right now, the waiver priority, we have the Blues, then the Macaques, and then the Ravens. Finally, up top in the north, the Zebras beat the Ice Demons, 207 to 195. The Riggers beat the, or I'm sorry, the Riggers lose to the Huskies, 203 to 180. The Steel Hawks beat the Vampires, 199 to 183. And Wakefield putting it on the Hellraisers, 224 to 185. Current North standings, your top four. Wakefield, number one. Leeds, number two. The Huskies, number three, and the Steelhawks, number four. Uh, the waiver priority, top three, Steelhawks at number one, number two, the Riggers, number three, the Ice Demons. It's week two in the BFU South. Charlton Valiants, after their week one win and sitting top of the uh, BFU South division, they're visiting the Oxford Ravens, who are looking to get their first win on the board. And then in the second matchup, we've got the Gibraltar McCucks, and they take on the Southampton Clippers. Both these teams won in week one. One of these teams is going to maintain their 100% records. And then we've got Jurassic Coast Corsairs, and they take on the Portsmouth Blues. Jurassic Coast with a win in week one, Portsmouth Blues lost out to McCucks. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. And then the last is the Jersey Devils against the Dover Harley Quinns. Both these teams unlucky to lose in week one, and they'll be looking to put that right in week two. That should be a few South week two schedule. It's week two in the BFU West, and it's the Bath Bears. They're going up and visiting the Marlborough Commodores. Bath Bears got a win in week one. Commodores looking for their first win at the moment. Then we've got the St. Helens Broadswords, and they're visiting the Oldham Talons. Both teams won in week one. One of those is going to keep their 100% record, and the Talons are hoping to stay top of that division. Then you've got the Hereford Bulls, and they're visiting the Utoxeter Thoroughbreds. Both teams didn't win in week one, so a win on the board here will help them massively. And then the last game, it's the rebranded Gloucester Hurricanes, who are now the West Coast Mariners, and they're going to be visiting Newport T-Rex, who were ever so impressive as well in week one. So the new West Coast Mariners GM, looking to get the first win on the board there, and it's going to be a baptism of fire for him against a very strong Newport T-Rex team. That should be a few West week two schedule. Be a few East week two schedule. So it's the Peterborough Warhawks visiting the great Yarmouth Stingray. Stingray's won in week one, 
Warhawks looking to get their uh, first win on the board this week from the new GM. Then the Haverhill Griffins, they're visiting the Braintree Bulldogs. And Haverhill, they got their first win. Braintree looking to get their first win on the board. And the Chelmsford Firebirds, who were so impressive in week one, they were actually the top scorers in, in all the leagues. They got an Essex derby because they take on the Southend Sea Devils. And then you've got the Westcliff Sea Cats, and they visit Nottingham. And the Westcliff Sea Cats looking to maintain their 100% record. This should be a few east schedule week two. Week two in the BFU North, and the Lanakai Steamers visit Tyne Hell Razors. Both of those teams lost out in week one, so they'll both be looking at getting a result on the board there. And it's the Lancaster, Lancaster Vampires at the Wakefield Marauders. Lancaster looking to get onto winning ways. Wakefield, they're sitting top at the moment. They're in pole position. Then you've got the Bonnie Rig Huskies coming off their week one win. And they go up against the Sheffield Steelhawks. Both these teams sitting third and fourth. One of these teams is still going to keep their 100% record. It's going to be a good game, that one. And then you've got the Leeds Zebras, also winners in week one, and they visit Scotland as they take on the Aberdeen Riggers, looking to avenge their defeat to the Huskies in week one. And that is your BFU North week two schedule. Mace caught up with the GM of the Bolton Rebels, Alan. And uh, among a few questions he wanted to ask him, he wanted to know, why did you pick Tua in the first round? Here it is. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, here today, I got a quick couple questions or eight with uh, Alan, the Bolton Rebels GM, man. How are you? How's it going today? Hey, I'm going great. Uh, nice to meet you, Mace. I never met you before, and uh, it's good to meet you. I know, right? Here's one hell of a first time. <laughs> so uh, just uh, go ahead and tell us about yourself, your background, uh, any home teams you have, NFL and otherwise. Okay, so uh, I'm quite old. So I started watching football in the early 80s when it first started showing on UK TV. Wow. Started on Channel 4, I think, and then Sky. and So I uh, started watching that. Then um, pretty soon I got down to my first training session and I played running back at a couple of ball teams, a couple of a team called Bolton Braves and then a team called the Bolton Buccaneers. Played there for about three or four years until the, the company that I was working for stopped me from playing because there were a few injuries and uh, oh, they, uh, they weren't happy about me having a time off work and all that. So, uh, so like I said, started watching football in the early 80s and at the time, um, they showed a lot of the Dolphins. So the Dolphins became my team. The timing just works right. The game started at 1pm in Miami and uh, 6, 6 p.m. here in the UK, so showed a lot of the games. Um, obviously, we were a half-decent side at the time. We had uh, Dan the Man and uh, the Marx Brothers and people like that, and the Dolphins became my team. So, uh, moving on from there, um, I uh, obviously you know went to Miami a couple of times, this and that, and uh, became a uh, Miami Hurricanes fan. Um, so uh, that goes a bit up and down a little bit. They're uh, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. I had a bit of banter with uh, Simo about the uh, convicts versus Catholics game. <laughs> and <things like> <laughs> hey, they do have uh, some good guys, though. They go into the league for sure. Quarterback this year looks really useful. Derek King looks really good. Yeah, he's very he's multi-purpose, man. Mm. He gets a grass. Didn't he just transfer? Uh, yeah, has, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah uh, that's right. We'll have, I did. Uh, we had Tate Martel before that, who uh, was obviously in the same class as Tua at uh, Elite 11. Yeah. 
All right, man. So what, what is it exactly about fantasy football that you enjoy the most? Well, I had a bit of a think about this. And uh, I, I, what I really like doing, which is probably what makes my team so bad, is that I like finding really deep sleepers. I really get a lot of pleasure out of finding a good young player from a college that maybe a lot of people don't know about and feeling clever because I get to pick them and maybe they get good in a couple of years. So I suppose an example of that at the minute would probably be someone like, I don't know, Darnell Mooney at Tulane, who I think I spotted quite early, or Jeremy Chin at Southern Illinois, people like that. So yeah. I get a real kick from, from finding deep nuggets, really, I suppose, and sticking them on the roster for a couple of years and, and letting them come through. Yeah, I know. It's also, I know, I remember doing that in Madden. That's actually kind of what got me springboarded into fantasy football was kind of doing stuff like that. Always finding those, those deeper guys that no one knows about, almost being like a football hipster. <laughs> you know, you're like, you're like, I had his autograph first or whatever, you know. So, um, okay. So uh, how did you go about becoming a GM in the British Fantasy Football League? Were you approached? Did you see it on Twitter? Like, how did, how did it take place? Total, total fluke. One day at work, a little bit bored just scrolling down Twitter and saw something from a, a British fantasy football league that I didn't know anything about. thought, that looks interesting. And uh, DM the guy who was running it, who turned out to be Simo, and just said, what is this all about? Is it is it a closed shop? Is it something that we can join? Well, I, you know, I have no idea what it is. And he came straight back and he said, um, well, what it is, it's a league that I've set up with a few people that I know. Um, we've filled the Premier League now, the BFFL, um, but I'm looking at creating another league. Um, and I said, well, I know a couple of people who might be interested. So he said, put the feelings out. Let's start to try, try and get another league going. And, you know, a few months later, was he on there four or five? So we were the start of the second league, I suppose. So the other two people were my son, Tom, who uh, plays American football at uh, Birmingham University. Over here, not, not US Birmingham University. Oh, yeah, wow. Um, at UK. Uh, and a colleague called uh, Josh, who's the um, owner of the Cardiff Royals. So we, we joined right at the beginning of the BFC. Right on. Um, so, okay, I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> I know we kind of went over the questions before, but I'm going to go ahead and hit question five first. What inspired okay. you to draft Tua in the first round? Just right. put okay. it all out there. Say, state your case. Let's put it to rest finally, man. What's on your mind? <laughs> Right, okay. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a list, but it'll be a list in no particular order. Because you have to remember, when we did this draft, we were kind of just a bit mental going into lockdown. So you can't, can't lay oh, it all. 100%. 100%. Yeah, no, the time frame. What, what was the month? Do you, you remember the month? Uh, would have been around May or something like that. Okay, it? yeah. So it was, it was still pretty deep. Right, right at the very beginning of lockdown. Beautiful weather. It was beautiful weather here anyway. Yeah. So, okay, so I've got... So, so for, for the first reason is, I'm a Dolphins fan, and he's going to be a legend, right? So, me Gotta and my be. son, Tom, I've already, I've already name-dropped my son, Tom. He's a quarterback. Um, thinks he knows a little bit. Put me on to Elite 11. Put me on to Tua. 2016, four years ago, something like that. Watched it, compared him, you know, against people like Sam Erlinger and... Jake Fromm and uh, McCaffrey's brother and people like that. And he just stood out a mile. He just looked like a wonder kid. And we followed him all the way through Bama and then declared for the draft, got a terrible injury. And we were lucky enough to get him. And I thought, there's no way he's getting away from me. So I'm, I'm having that man for the next few years. Okay, so the second reason would be, I knew that I would be able to pick up Tom Brady, in, who had bye week 13. That gives two of 
12, 13 weeks to get fit, learn the playbook, get himself into the team. Gives him plenty of time to get in. There's, there's no way on earth the way Fitz is playing at the minute that Tua isn't going to get in by week 13. Woof, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So, the, th- the third reason is, Simo told me that he wanted to do a video to, for us to announce all of the first-round picks. Now, I wanted to have a bit of fun. Like I said, we just got, in, just got into lockdown. We needed a bit of fun. Um, I wasn't going to make a super serious pick. I could have picked. I think Lamar was still on the, on, on the board. They both were. In my home, yeah, I think they were. In my home, just still on the board. But do you know what? I thought I'd just have a little bit of fun. Um, I knew I was going to get Brady in the next round, so I knew I was going to have a good quarterback with a, you know, a, a, a prime offense. So I can wait for Tua. So that was the third, the fourth, the third reason. The fourth reason is this is a keeper league where we only keep one player per position. I'm going to keep Tua. Yeah, he's my, he's my man. I'm going to keep him. So uh, the next, the next reason is it's a practice year, so no pressure. Just keep him. He's going to be a legend next year. Absolutely no two ways about it. And if I hadn't taken the fit, the last reason is if I hadn't taken him in the first round, I've already name dropped my son Tom, who's a massive Dolphins fan and a huge, you know, quarterback lover. He was going to take him in the second, so I got him ahead of my lad. <laughs> oh, put him on blast there. No, I like that. But I mean, hey, if you, it's it's understandable. I mean, if you're playing it right now, like you just said, you could be playing uh, chess while everyone else is playing checkers here, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There is one more reason as well. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and that's so that in about whenever whenever Tua starts, I can say to Tom Brady, virtually, you can sit down now, lad. Have a rest. Let me go. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Um, yeah, I didn't realize they had the bye week in, you said week 13? Week 13, yes. Starting him that late in the season, does that worry you at all? That you have to put him there in that spot? I mean, what, playoffs don't start till 14, though, right? Not at all. Not at all. We'll oh, be, that's uh, right. We'll... Yeah, not for you guys. That's right. Okay, sorry. My fault. So many leagues. Yeah. Freaking out. Okay. All right. So then, with that said, with you taking uh, two in the first, is that the person you're obviously most happy getting? Because that's your guy. Aside from him, like, who else are you super, super stoked that you got? Do you know what? I think Jerry Judy's going to be an absolutely fantastic player this year. He looked pretty good on Monday, huh? He's looked so good all his career. I, you yeah. know, like, as, as you probably guessed, I watched a little bit of Bama. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you can you can go on about them having the great offense and the great line, and it's easy to play on the Bama team, that kind of stuff. But the guy's got wheels. And I, I've never seen a wide receiver get separation like Jerry Judy. I think he's going to be a legend. His route running is... Like unmatched, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah, great hands. It's got a lot. It's got a lot. And going on from that, I suppose you know. Oh, well, I'll say something later. But I think you know one of the one of the sleepers in the league. I think it's probably Drew Locke for that reason. He's got some elite receivers now. No, for sure that offense, especially when they get KJ Hamler too. Noah Fant was looking good. Not to kind of boost myself, but I wrote a, an article about that whole offense and how Drew Locke is really going to take that next step this year. I think. Can't fail. Yeah. Can't fail with Yeah, for sure. It sucks Von Miller went out for him. But um, anyways, um, how has your experience in the British Fantasy Football League been thus far? And uh, how did week one go for you? You know, it's really great. Simon's a great guy. We've created a great community. The BFC is full of lads who, who want to have a bit of fun. And it's just really, really good. Um, you know, we've uh, the first week, I think I scored about something like about 180 points, which I was quite happy with. Yeah, that's pretty 
me, considering I um, initially drafted Darius Geis, who decided to... Oh, no, a, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Decided to have a little bit of time off, but it's worse than that. Oh, when Dar- no. When Darius Geis decided to leave the building, I then drafted Bryce Love. Oh, but, my. Hold on, what round did you draft Geis? Oh, early, early. I love guys. I yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. So then you got an early pick into it, which is developmental, like you said, right? Yeah. And then you got yeah. guys who's out, so you're playing with well, your hands tied behind your back here. I was go- hoping the guys was going to be my keeper. Yeah, oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, yeah. When you think, you know, pick someone like Bryce Love, what is he, the Doak winner, Lombardi winner, Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. He was, he was really, really good. He was really good. 2,000-yard season. I yeah. thought he was good, man. And uh, he still might be. He still might be. You know, they still got Maybe. him on the roster. It just kind of reminds me of, like, Niles Davis from Arkansas. I really had yeah. high hope for him. And then he had that injury, and he just, I don't know. Never yeah, was real. So, all right. Um, how would you say that the British Fantasy Football League experience overall is different from other leagues that you've been in if you are in other leagues? Well, as I said earlier on, it's, uh, it's bespoke, isn't it? And um, they must put an awful lot of effort into the league. It's, it's really good. Like I say, we've created the community. Simo's talking about um, having a having a barbecue for us sometime, and there's all going to uh, Brit Towers. So um, me and uh, Josh and Tom, my son, we've uh, we decided we're going to get a camper van and go down there, like uh, like like the geek, like the like the brother out of um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We're going to turn up in an old camper van. Dude, oh yeah, <laughs> me and my brother will meet you guys there in a camper. That would be sick, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't end up being like Burning Man or something out there over at Brit Tower. No, I'm kidding. I think this is the first time I've heard of it, so it might be a bit of a shock for him. Yeah. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, we'll just plan it every week. We'll, I'll just talk to every person. We'll talk about what everyone's going to bring. and we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it going. All right. Oh, no, that's funny. Okay. So last, uh, last but not least, who is your Super Bowl prediction? And who do you think is going to be the top fantasy point scorer this year? Okay, so Super Bowl prediction then. I reckon from the um, NFC, I think I'll go Pittsburgh because of that tremendous defense. It's just awesome. Uh, sorry, from the AFC, sorry. From the AFC, I'm going to go Pittsburgh. Okay. Because of that awesome defense. Yeah. Um, got weapons on the offense as well. You know, Ben's back. Um, Juju's looking great. James Washington's looking pretty useful. Beyonce Johnson, uh, Benny Snell looked great when he came in. Yeah, he uh, did. He looked very polished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony McFarlane will probably come on later on in the year and look good. So I really fancy Pittsburgh. I know that's probably not not a hot take. Most people are going for Chiefs or something, but quite fancy Pittsburgh with that D. And then uh, in the NFC, I fancy the Cowboys for the opposite reason, for that offense. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, Zeke, Zeke at running back, and if he goes down, you get Tony Pollard comes in. Dak's looking pretty useful. But CD Lamb, Mary Cooper, Mike Gallup, just loaded, man, loaded. Yeah, I just worry about McCarthy with them. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, anyone can can get there. There's 32 teams, isn't it? No, 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 that's very true. Very true. Yeah, they're my early picks. Yeah. All right, man. Was there anything else you want to say or give a shout out to anyone or stuff before we go? No, I don't think so. Just like to say thank you to uh, Simo for organizing everything and for being such a good bloke. Um, I think that's pretty much it, really. All right, right on. Well, thanks, Alan, for uh, coming on and talking with me, man. I wish you luck this year. Thank you, too. Speak to you later, mate. Bye, now. Yeah, cheers.
So week one in the BFA, it's the Five Phoenix losing to Derry Venom, 154.78 to 187.84. The Causeway Giants, uh, they went and visited South Manchester Rockets and they took the win, 156.84 against 141.76. In the South Division, Leicester Renegades visited the Sittingbourne Black Widows. Uh, they scored 161.18, but they just weren't good enough, um, and Sittingbourne were immense with a 231.36 score. Stevenish Sabres, they got the win over the Isle of Wight Buccaneers, 171.32 to 141.6. In the East Division, Seton Silverbacks visited the Sunderland Broncos, um, and they won with a 177.8 against a 157.86. Durham Destroyers, they visited the Gateshead Ninjas, um, who were coachless this weekend, but they won't be coming into week two. Um, and the Durham Destroyers took the win, 149.2 against 130.06. And then in the West Division, the Western Gunslingers visited the Birmingham Reapers, and they scored 151.1, but they just didn't score enough because the Birmingham Reapers scored 185.68. And then we move to the, Plym the Plymouth Solars, Devon Dolphins, the Devon Derby. I've been talking about this, these two guys. And it was the Plymouth Solos that ran out the winners with a really good 203.82 against the Devon Dolphins, 162.8. So the standings at the moment, obviously it's only one game. Derham, De sorry, Derry Venom, uh, they're sitting top of the standings in the uh, BFA North. In the BFA South, obviously with that massive score, the Sittingbourne Black Widows, they're sitting top above Stephen Sabres. In the East Division, the team sitting top there is the Seton Silverbacks. They had some real massive issues going into week one. Players coming in, coming out, um, and they must be pleased with that. And in the West Division, we've got the Plymouth Solars. They're sitting top um, with their win over the Devon Dolphins. The wave of priorities, as it stands at the moment, and it's changing on an hourly basis, your top three, Durham Destroyers have the number one priority in the BFA. Leicester Renegades got the number two, and the Gateshead Ninjas at the moment have got number three. That's your BFA results. Week two in the BFA, so in the North Division, it's the Northern Irish Derby. It's Derry Venom at the Causeway Giants. So one of those teams is going to remain top on a two and zero. First versus second there. South Manchester Rockets, they're visiting Scotland this week. They're going to the Five Phoenix. Both those teams desperately looking to avenge their week one defeats and get a win on the board there. City-born Black Widows, very impressive in week one. They visit the Stevenish Sabres again. Both those teams winning week one results and they're looking good, both of them. So one of those is going to go two and zero. The Isle of Wight Buccaneers, they visit Leicester Renegades. Again, both teams lost in week one. One of those is going to get a win on the board. Into the East Division, Sunderland Broncos. Visit the Durham Destroyers. It's going to be a tough match there. And Durham Destroyers looking to go 2-0. and zero. And in the Gateshead Ninjas with a new GM in charge. They're going to visit the Seton Silverbacks. Who are going to want to stay top of that division. And in the West. It's the two teams that won in week one in this division. Birmingham Reapers visit the Plymouth Solars. And uh, one of those is going to go 2-0. and zero. And in the Devon Dolphins. They visit the Western Gunslingers. That's your BFA week two schedule. move on to the BFC and the Merseyside Rhinos took that trip to Scotland against the Leith Pirates 
they ran out winners 163.34 against 158.3 the next north division game Rochdale Rams they visited Scotland as well against the edge of Kraken and they ran out winners as well 198.06 182.1 so uh, not not a good first week for the Scottish teams of the BFC things will improve then in the south Sorry, lengths 138.9. They weren't strong enough to take the Croydon Wildcats, who ran out winners on a 197.36. Bedfordshire Gladiators 189.14, and they took the win over the Thurrock Thunder 183.08. So, East Anglian Derby, Suffolk Eagles against the Colchester Knights. It was the Suffolk Eagles that ran out winners 194.82 against a 167.52. The Heaven Defenders and the Hartlepool Kings, that local derby. Heaven Defenders, 134.5. Hartlepool Kings, 138. And then the West Division, Cardiff Royals. They went to Wolverhampton Stakes and they ran out winners with a 158.88 against a 119.34. So it's a convincing win there. And then the Bolton Rebels, they scored 183.66, but they were up against a very strong Walsall Guardians team who put in a 211.28. See so standings in the north, Rochdale Rams are sitting top of the north division um, with their win this week. In the south, the Croydon Wildcats, they're heading that division. In the east division, Suffolk Eagles, after that East Anglian derby win, they're sitting top above the Hartlepool, Knight, uh, Hartlepool Kings. Sorry. And in the west division, the Warsaw Guardians, they're sitting top above Cardiff Royals. The waiver priorities, which again, they change rapidly. At the moment, Surrey Lynx are sitting top with the first priority. Number two, Edgy Kraken. And number three, Heaven Defenders. That's your BFC results. Week two in the BFC, second tier. The Leith Pirates are visiting the Rochdale Rams, looking to get a win on the board there. Rochdale Rams looking to keep their 100% record. And the Edgy Kraken, they're visiting the Merseyside Rhinos. Again, they want to get a win on the ball, and the Rhinos still want to keep their 100% record. In the south, the Croydon Wildcats and the Bedfordshire Gladiators both won their first week's games. So one of these is going to go 2-0. and zero. And then the Thorough Thunder and the Surrey Lynx, both of those teams go against each other, hoping that one of those is going to get a win on the ball this week. In the east, Colchester Knights and the Hebben Defenders, they'll want to register a win this week, so they're both going to go in this game looking to avenge their week one defeat. And then it's the Hartlepool Kings visiting the Suffolk Eagles. First versus, versus second there. That's going to be a good game. And in the West, hey, <laughs> it's the Wolverhampton Stags at the Bolton Rebels. It's son visiting father. What a game that's going to be. And then in the other game, it's the Walsall Guardians and Cardiff Royals. Walsall visiting Cardiff. Both these teams won their week one games. One of those teams is going to keep winning and go two and zero. That's the BFC week two. Now we move on to the top tier, the BFFL. And these guys, they've um, been in the chat, been together since around April, March time. So they've had a lot of time to wind each other up, get the banter going. So let's look at the results then. Manchester Hornets, whose GM came in a couple of months ago, moved up from the BFC to take over the vacant spot. They got their first win of the season, 174.64 against the Yorkshire Panthers, who scored 
In the North Division, also Newcastle Lions, they visited the Edinburgh Cobras and they ran out winners 191.86 against 170.1. The South Division, and there's been a lot of needle and a lot of banter in this division, it was that grudge match, it was the Brighton Sharks visiting Swindon Steam, and it was a close one. Brighton Sharks scored 158.2, Swindon Steam scored 156.1. Great game there. And then the London Derby, it was the Jets against the Hawks. And it was the Jets that ran out winners, 199.4 against the 137.12. In the East Division, Medway Tigers uh, coach uh, moved the team over to Kent after a um, GM left. And they scored 177.3 against Essex, Essex Wolverines, who ran out winners with a 194.28. And it was the Norwich Predators against the Cambridge Dragons. And the Predators scored 152.46. Cambridge Dragons who ran out winners with a 162.56. Then we go to the West. Bristol Trojans and Somerset Sea Kings. Both these GMs know each other, so it was always going to be a good game. Bristol Trojans scored 167.5 and Somerset Sea Kings unfortunately weren't strong enough, so they scored 157.98 with the Trojans running out winners there. And then the Worcester Warlocks, they took on the Dudley Scorpions. And the Worcester Warlocks scored 174.7. But the Dudley Scorpions, who were the BFFL team of the week, smashed in a very impressive 200.68. So those were your scores and your standings in the north. So the Newcastle Lions sitting top um, above the Manchester Hornets in the south. So it's the London Jets and the Brighton Sharks in that order, taking one and two spot at the moment going into week two. In the East Division, Essex Wolverines are top with Cambridge Dragons sitting in second. And then your West Standings, so Dudley Scorpions, and then the Bristol Trojans, and both those teams meet each other in week two. So one of those teams is going to go two and zero. That's your BFFL results and standings. The waiver priority as it stands at the moment, and again, always changing. At the top, you've got Newcastle Lions have got number one priority. Number two priority is Cambridge Dragons, and rounding out the top three in the priority is the Edinburgh Cobras. That is your BFFL roundup. So the week two matchups in the BFFL. Yorkshire Panthers are visiting the Newcastle Lions, who are already one and zero at the moment. And in the other North Division game, the Edinburgh Cobras are visiting the Manchester Hornets again. They're one and zero. So there's an opportunity for both Manchester and Newcastle to keep their hundred percent records going there. In the south, the Swindon Steam coming off the back of their loss against the Sharks, they go and visit the Jets, who won against the Hawks last week. And the Hawks coming off that loss they're going to visit the Brighton Sharks so again opportunities for the Jets and the Sharks to go two and zero there Cambridge Dragons and the Medway Tigers they meet up in the east with Dragons visiting Kent and the Essex Wolverines on the back of their win they'll be visiting Norwich as they take on the Predators in the west the Somerset Sea Kings and the Worcester Warlocks one of these will avenge their week one defeats they both lost in week one so one of those is going to get a win this week and get it get it on the board. And then the other game, Dudley Scorpions at the Bristol Trojans. It's first versus second. Big game this one in week two of the BFFL. So Mason sat down and he had a chat with Mr Fantasy Football himself, Murph, the GM of the Bristol Trojans. Here's that interview. People, can you hear me? There's a message that I'm sending now. I've got the answer to all your problems. And tonight I'll be singing it. 
what's going on guys uh i'm here today with the bffl rep and the gm of the bristol trojans he does a bunch of other stuff as well uh murph how you doing today man hey good to good to be with you mason uh, enjoying uh chatting ball and chatting bffl so yeah it's uh and we've and we've, and we've got football in our lives now you know thursday recording this after thursday night football so uh yeah really 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 good yeah, great game last night. Um, we'll just go ahead and dive into it. Uh, quick 10 with Murph, 10 questions. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, what makes you tick, where you're from, things of that sort. Sure, I, I'm kind of, have been from all over the place. Uh, I, I lived in the US for six years or nearly six years. Oh, really? From 2000 to 2005. Um, went to high school and university at UF and UCF. Um, school Dr. Phillips, uh, known for haha kington Dix went there after me um johnny damon went there a few other uh people generated from that high school so yeah um uh, what makes me tick is sport and just interactions and socials are like lockdown has been an absolute killer um not being able to watch live sport and not being able to see mates and and socialize so it's been it's been hard but yeah just in general just just love love all sports love the games uh just and yeah just all about meeting people i love being in communities it's kind of like, you know why uh why I do a podcast why uh i got involved in the bffl just love being part of communities and always talking to people about such fun things and getting to know people and just making more friends and things like that so yeah yeah all about connections man well you're a very personable guy very respectable dude so Thanks, man. I understand it. Yeah. Um, so what is it exactly about fantasy that you enjoy the most? And like, is there any like idols that you have or who got you started? I started in high school in 2000. So I've been playing this my 20th year, give or take. I think there's probably a missed season wow. there somewhere, um, I'm sure. Um, so it basically, I was just roped into some friends who who said, oh, look, come join our league. It'd be cool to have a, a Brit in it. And I was like, yeah, sure. I think they just wanted the guy to come last place. And <laughs> last place, I, I did year one. Because um, didn't know what oh, I was doing. Really? Um, you and I got in the sport. Yeah. <laughs> it was the last time I finished last. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Just been a couple of other times. There's not been many, though. Um, yeah. And then after that, I think um, it's, I won it the second year. So I had Priest Holmes oh, and Damien wow. Tomlinson. Um they didn't like that so for you uh, once huh that's it <laughs> <laughs> exactly I, I learned quickly um and then yeah the games evolved so much it used to be you used to take quarterbacks early in that game now you, mm-hmm. now you don't and yeah i guess um just again that camaraderie being with friends and then over the years some of those leagues have died out um and then other leagues and now with the uk has has really taken off with the game i now have far too many uh, leagues that I play in so that people have leagues to play in because I, I've been in that situation where you don't have a league to, to play in with friends and you know we start a lot of them um, and that's yeah. why I'm always glad to do it and it's very hard for me to say no right. <laughs> even at my own personal detriment but at least I, my, my mission is to completely kill those nfl.com random leagues that's like my thing is to oh, kill yeah. so people that's... don't ever have to play in a random nfl.com <laughs> league those are the worst, and I agree. Um, okay, so, so to kind of carry off, off off of that and like your your journey and what started you, uh, what inspired you to start the whole five yard deal? And then um, just go ahead and go through some of the hats you wear in the community. Like you also have your book and stuff like that with stocks. So anything you want to dive into? Yeah, it's funny enough. I didn't start. Um, I didn't start at all. Um, oh, okay. Stocks, stocks, and uh, stocks and his best mate 
um, actually started Five Yard. Um, and it originally was a podcast about their league. Mm. Uh, very influenced about fantasy footballers and um, they pretty much did it for the OG league which I'm now part of I took over a GM who nice. uh, wasn't it, but I wasn't in it originally um, and Stocks and I played in another league um, called the Epsom Fantasy League uh, Epsom is where we are uh, based oh, okay. on where, so we're around that area I thought you said um, Epstein I was like yeah. oh okay I'm just kidding All right, good. Um, so yeah Epsom Epsom's where we're based and um, we uh, yeah, there's a few of us that play, all, all good friends. Um, and so as a result, in fact, uh, Harry, um, Harry's just joined that league because we were one short, we lost one. So Harry's just okay. come in and, and joined that. And um, so Chris and I got to know each other and uh, noticed the podcast started listening. Um, and then his his mate started, uh, he, he's a, a spark, he's an electrician, and he ran his own business and was getting less and less time for the podcast so i started guesting and then i just never left nice. <laughs> Stuck around. And so then and then stocks and i've just built a, a great brotherhood off of it so we think we're into our third season as a duo oh wow nice. um doing this now so we're coming up on 250 episodes not together that's total uh, i've probably been on maybe close to 200 of those that's still um, a lot, yeah, that's a lot of work is. man that's amazing yeah. though good for you guys yeah, no, it's awesome, and we just uh, we just love it, and we love interacting with people, and yeah, and, and in terms of the community, we we set run listener leagues, competitions. Um, we're all about just bringing more NFL fans together in in the UK. We we get on with a lot of local pods, as you mentioned. Yeah. We wrote the the fantasy football playbook, which is uh, uh, you know, our first year went to number one Amazon American Books, um, American Football Books, which is amazing for us um, and very unexpected, and. Yeah, we've got a lot of support off that. And then, um, yeah, we run the FFCC Charity Best Ball Tournament, which is an, a 256-team knockout tournament and thrive on, on bringing some some of the best fantasy analysts uh, in the world uh, into that. So we've got people like Graham Barfield, Dwayne McFarland, um, Brian Drake, um, Gary Haddow, the uh, Scottish Bowl 9 winner, wow. um, amongst many others. Uh, Bob Lang, uh, the Mr. Consistency himself. There's, there's so many great names in there, yeah. I can't name them all. Um, and I'll get killed. They'll forgive me, but there's so many people. And then just through that, we've, we've made some great friends in the community and uh, lucky enough to play in some of the biggest and best leagues in the world, the Scottish Bowl. Um, you know, Stocks and I have been invited to play in the, King, in the King's Classic this year, which is a major, major yeah. thing that it's limited. It's an invitational league. There's only uh, 42 uh, teams in that. And we play against the best in the world, like in our division, we're playing Evan Silver and Graham Barfield and Tom Brawley and Ian Hartis of PFF. And, Good luck, man. Um, yeah, the Mage <laughs> Dukes. And, yeah, well, that's it. And uh, That's amazing, though. We'll see how we get on. Um but we're, we're confident. We, we drafted some good teams. And, yeah, uh, we do a lot in the community, but, and we want to do a lot more. And so, ultimately, what our, our burning desire is to have people win championships, and that's what we're going for. Yeah. All right. So, um, you kind of mentioned your fantasy football playbook. What are some things that you look at when you're projecting a player's stats or, like, what they're going to do? Are you looking at situational-based things? Like, how do you judge your sleepers, things like that? Uh, yeah, really good question. It's quite a complicated process. It's a mixture of I'm not the biggest tape dog there is, uh -huh. but I do watch tape um, just to get a sense of 
how the player is moving. Um, I follow a lot of local beat writers on Twitter and get the updated information on depth charts and things like that. I start to learn how the offensive coordinators and the head coaches scheme. Um, so it's much easier when you've got continuity and certain teams are much easier to uh, project an offense on um, and some teams when they're brand new are, are much harder so what I tend to do is is look at the total team dynamic in terms of how many passes they have and how many times they rush I look at that over a few seasons worth of analysis and then I track the trends of the head coaches and see if those have changed so someone like Kevin Stefanski um, when I'm projecting the Browns I would project them more towards the the run than they were last year where they were projected more towards the pass but I don't think it's, I don't try not to go too far the other way as well so that you get yeah. it off. Um, and then what you do is you're starting to look at where the targets are going to go from the quarterback. You look at how consistent he is in, in, in percentage of, of, of targets he lands versus those he, he doesn't. Um, you look at offensive lines. You look at a bit of everything. Uh, situational football and schedule set, strength and schedule starts to play a factor. So there's a lot of different things that, that go into it. But basically, all day long, all it goes down to is the base number of this team's going to, you know, have 980 plays. Those 980 plays, I'm going to project that um, – 600 of them are going to go in the offense, say, and 380 are going to go on the rush. And then you just start calculating who you think is going to get them. And their projections, right? Everyone is wrong. Don't let anyone tell you that their projections are are right. (laughs) What it does is it just starts to get a guide um, of what to look out for. And then you start looking at where you sit versus ADP. So we start drafts early, very early. Uh, April, first draft started March 1st. Say FFCC was was, July. But that's you say that, but that that was late for us. I know. It's just like yesterday. <laughs> we, we 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 were drafting in March first. Um, was our first draft of the season. We do a lot of best wow. We yeah. We we look at ADP data throughout, and we're looking at where players are going, and we 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 chart up rises and fallers, and we start to get a better picture of that. Um, and then you start looking at your projections according to some of that and see how that sits in. So hmm. it's a long process. It, it, you know, you could start very easily how I've described, but eventually you have to refine that processes and, and learn from it every year. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and switch gears and move over to the BFFL side of things. Um, how has your experience been in the BFFL? And, uh, uh, it's been amazing. Um, you know, Simo, I think, is a, is a mate for life, um, even though we've never met, which is a bizarre <laughs> thing. But I've got a lot of friends like that, to be honest, in the uh, in the fantasy football space, because I think everyone is so kind and so generous with their time. And that's why I always try to be the same. Um, so, you know, I got to know Simo pretty early on in the process. And um, the people in there, there's some familiar faces, some people who I know really well. Um, people like Peter Gunn, um, people like Ben Rolfe, uh, who is one of the few people who I have met in person, actually, and um, and several others. So, And I'm lucky that some of our listeners are in that as well, which is really kind of, you know, Louis Venus is another one uh, who, who I know quite well. So, yeah, there's a few people in there. I was like, okay, I quite know these are some of the same faces, right? It's yeah, what yeah. happens in some of these drafts you join. Um, and some of them are new faces. Some of them I don't know overly well, who, but who I'm starting to get to know a bit more. And we had some changes. Um, there was one guy who left, um, didn't like the, the league format or the chat, and, and that's fine. And I'm a bit of a wind-up merchant in some of the chats. Um, I think I'm known as the, the Saints hater, um, <laughs> purely because I bring up a lot of conversations about the Saints uh, 
cheating in the past, which is oh, yeah. factually accurate. You know, if, if I'm going to get slammed, um, <laughs> you know, at least I'm going to be slammed for, for facts. Were they um, headhunting people too? <laughs> well, you know, that's what I mean. Bounty hunting is, is, is not allowed <laughs> so, yeah, in the NFL. Sorry. Bounty hunting, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you've got, you know, I, I said the Super Bowl should be asterisked because of the fact that their coach was banned after that and everything. Right. But, you know, hey, if, you, if everyone's going to dig out the Patriots for cheating, and I'm not a Patriots fan, I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. Um, then this thing out the other teams that cheated badly as well. And, and, and I've always had that opinion that the Saints cheated. So, um, but the chat's good. It's always good natured. We have a lot of fun in it. And, uh, and we'll, we'll get to know the game a bit better as a result. Yeah. So speaking about how fun it is, um, how would you say the BFFL is different from other leagues? I seem I was always saying it's old school and things like that. So go ahead and try to elaborate it, on that. It's, it's a flashback to 15, 20 years ago. Um, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, it's definitely away from the new age of, of technology. Um, it's very strategic um, because things like the roster spots are so hamstrung from the lack of bench. You know, people think that, uh, you know, typically in a fantasy football league, you'd have a bench of maybe six to 10 players, but you can do with that as you will. So someone like me would stock a lot of wide receivers and running backs on there. Whereas here, you're very situationally limited. You're limited uh-huh. to the amount of transactions you make and you're limited by the amount of, uh, changes that you can make um, three positions, right? Exactly. And yeah. when someone like me had to burn one because both my kickers got cut. Oh no, mate! For a kicker. Uh, okay. So I only, only, I only used one, and then the other one got signed by the Bucks, and so I, and I've now got two Bucks kickers. Nice. So week thirteen will be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully, I've built enough of a depth that I can just not start a player there. <laughs> That's the plan. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's things like that. Um, so you got to, it's very tactical. You had to think about the bye weeks. A lot of people took um, same players on bye weeks in, in the drafts. So they automatically hamstrung because it meant that um, they couldn't, they couldn't put a full team out. And so trades happened as a result, whereas I was pretty careful throughout where I, I selected. And I heard your first episode and you thought it was stranger that I took Kamara at four. So <laughs> might as well use that opportunity now to explain why I did uh, take um Kamara at four and I took Kamara at four because I'm not concerned about the injury with Kamara and I think he's an absolutely elite talent and a team that's very offensive minded and a team that's in a win now Super Bowl window Um, you can bank the 81 receptions he's going to get this year because Mm -hmm. that's what he's had every year since he's been in the league and on top of that he just I don't like Dalvin Cook because he's one injury away from being out for nine months um there's some players i do there's some players i do like um i would never go quarterback in this format in a one quarterback league there's just you don't return the value um you never do and i write a lot in the book about why you shouldn't go qb early and this league despite the scoring makes no difference four point passing touchdowns you know okay everyone can cite that jackson was the number one overall player but you've got to chart the difference between number one and number 12 and the fallout between the number one qb and the number 12 qb isn't all that much with Jackson it was elite but that that number's going to regress it always does mm-hmm. with running backs that number is like 150 points it's a lot like yeah, no, if is. you don't get an elite talent at running back you you struggle um so that's why I took him there and and this league has you thinking very much about opportunity and you have to think about the tiers and you have to think about the drops in scoring so there were some places i was in a draft and it's like i should take a linebacker here but you know what i have 18 guys that have pointed within in my projections they're going to score within 18 points of each other which is one and a half points you know it's it's a point a game 
Yeah. So it doesn't matter. As long as I get one of these guys, it doesn't matter. Exactly. So no, I can sure. fold that position and let it fall. So people were taking players uh-huh. where there was no real statistical advantage. So for me, I've laid out my draft to make sure I got a statistical advantage everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of on that subject real quick. So I, I feel like in my draft, I went and got AJ Brown in the fourth round, and that was kind of a reach because I could have got someone later, like uh, Hollywood Brown or something as, a, as my streaky wide receiver. At what point in the uh, BFFL format do you start trying to grab those guys that are your home run hitters? It's a good question. I think you have to see how the board plays, and you have to if – you, if you've worked out your, your guys, right, first of all, if he's your guy, you've got to get your guy. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. You know, someone took two in the first. I personally would never do it. Yeah. But I get it. Yeah, like, for sure. If fantasy football is above all else, it's fun. And if you're yeah. just going to have fun having two on your roster, all power do you do it? I would never do it. And it's easy for me to criticize it. Yeah. But actually, if that's what that guy wants to do and he's a Dolphins fan and he thinks tour is the future for the next 10 years, then then why not? Like, yeah. go go have – that's the ultimate number of it is, is to go and have fun. Uh-huh. In terms of uh, – you have to follow the board. So there's no way I would say yeah. in round six, this is the way you've got to get your guys. Okay. So I'm just pulling up the draft here and looking at, you know, how I broke down the draft. You know, I took th- – I took my three running backs inside the first four rounds. Uh-huh. So I was only allowed three. I took them early because a lot of them went off the board. I was a bit worried about um, where, what was after, say, so I took Singletary, um, who's sort of my backup. And there wasn't a lot of guys left on the board at that point. I could have maybe taken James White and waited around. After that, there, were, there just wasn't anyone else I wanted. He was like the last guy. Yeah. And, every, and then it was like James White. And that was it. And I, well, I didn't panic. I did what the board told me to do. Yeah. And then after that, there was a line of demarcation was like, I'm not crossing it for my third running back, given how important the position is. Um, so, you know, I, I have a line where going, I'm not going below that line. I had that at every position. And sometimes you have to go below that line. Um, but I valued defensive linemen very low in this in this format so i was like they can just wait if i have a crafty line i'm not bothered i'm actually yeah. really happy with how it turned out because it was better than i thought i was going to get um so you know for me how i broke my draft down was i got d hop in the second round because i saw him as a value of where i took him going forward all right maybe this year could be a bit rocky but i think after that and now he's been paid i'm i'm happy with the pick there mm-hmm. and after that i went with two stud linebackers to build my core because they're a big point scorer. And then I went with my right receivers in the seventh and eighth round. Again, I'm happy with who I got because you're only keeping one per position. So we just need productivity of it. There's no point in drafting a stud, like a, a stable full of studs, because you're only going to cut them and they're going to go in the next year's draft. Yeah. So for me, I got a player, like my, my keepers is pretty set unless I get injuries. It's pretty easy to tell who they are. Yeah. And again, I faded QB for that reason. Faded QB because it was like in a one one QB league, there's always going to be a QB available. Right? Yeah. I'll end That's up true. with with starter level. You know, I got Jared Goff and, and Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, they're starters. They're, yeah, it could be you know, on that offense. Yeah. It's it's due to positive regress. So yeah. I think I didn't go into it with any set plan. If I'm going to take this player this round, I had tears. Uh, I looked at where you know I got Bobby Wagner late compared to some of the other drafts i got bobby wagner who i had as my linebacker too i got him in the fifth round yeah 
I'm happy with that. Like the value yeah, I'm sure. going to get for him there. He's going to outscore a lot of wide receivers. So you have to do your homework. You have to do your research. And I think that's, that's key to any league, but especially yeah. this league where you don't have an app, you don't have ADP, you don't have all these guides. You have to follow the draft and you have to navigate it to pick your guides. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So how did you go about becoming a GM in the DFFL? Did someone just email you and ask you kind of like you did me or what's it? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't, you sent this across. I don't actually remember how it happened. Um, right. Just woke up and all of a sudden you're like, hey, Simo, wait, who are you? Like, <laughs> I think he listened to the podcast. I I don't know. I think that's how I, I think he interacted on Twitter. We got chatting and that, that was it. Yeah. Um, I think that's how it went. I think I got an invite through through Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I was the first. I think I was in the maybe the top five people oh, okay. joined. Um but yeah, it was. I think that's how it worked. Timo might have a different story, and his his story is probably more accurate than than mine. But I seem to recall I got a tweet, we a DM on Twitter. We we started messaging, and we went from there. Uh, uh-huh. And then from there, we we exchanged numbers, and we've been chat. We chat a lot um, about league structure. He tends to uh, message me about potential rules and how this would play out, and how that would play out. And I'm very good with situational rules. I've run thousands of fantasy football leagues yeah. in my time literally thousands and i just i'm not the expert but i'm pretty good at working out the alternative i'm the guy that you send in to break things like no, yeah here's a rule here's what could happen if it goes wrong and i put that outcome across and say this is your worst case scenario i probably wouldn't implement this rule given that yeah no for sure very smart Okay, so what's a piece of advice you would give to a new GM of a BFFL club or really any fantasy football club? Like, I just kind of started getting into Dynasty and things like that this year. So just for someone like me who's kind of like looks at you and almost idolizes you and try, trying to get to a point to where you're at. It's, it's a lot of hard work. I think that if I was to give away what you know, two, I'd go with two because I can't really simplify it any more than that. The first one is to do your homework. Learn the league, the settings, what the points are. Uh, who's in the league, um, but you just learn the league dynamic. Um, going in with the same plan into every league doesn't work. Um, you know, I was in a league that people just treated it as any other league. It's the UKFL, which is a charity league. And it was like, yeah, every everyone was drafting like all these players. It was a super premium tight end premium. Mm-hmm. So tight end receptions were worth double what wide receiver receptions were. I ended up with five of the top 11 tight ends on the No, board. you did it. I, and, it's a, and it's a massive flex league where you can start all of them. Oh, no. So every week. So like I'm projected to win mo- almost all of my games this year by like 30 points. Wow. Because I was in a different draft to everybody else. Yeah. And the only other person that clocked on was a, a guy called James Spavin who's in uh, one of the other... Uh, leagues uh, and and uh, as a result it was just like me and him were messaging each other it's like we're in a completely different draft of everybody else here um playing chess. but well yeah and and do you know what sometimes you have to look at that and think am i right have i read this right and i, I trust <laughs> in my judgment why am i yeah why am i doing everything too different to everyone else yeah and i think that's that's the first thing so know your league know the rules know the points know everything the second is, is just do the research. Um, and there's tons of research out there, right? Yeah. 
I'm not saying you should listen to Five Year Rush and take everything I say as gospel. Buy my playbook. I, yeah. <laughs> but the thing with the playbook is the playbook gives you a, a blueprint as to how to be successful in leagues. Um, I'm not saying you're going to win every league. I'm not even going to say you're going to win any leagues. But yeah. you'll get the playoffs. You'll get deeper. You'll learn the understanding of how the mindset it takes to win a league. And ultimately, you know, people panic. In, and, and that's the other pieces. People, you, you've seen how many trades, how many free agency tokens uh, have gone. And people are panicking. They're seeing week one waiver wire. They see week one rosters and they're like depth charts. And they're like, oh God, my guy's not starting. What's going on? Like all of this is irrelevant. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. If you are making so many changes now because either you didn't like your draft or you are panicking, you've already lost. <laughs> right. Like you've already lost. So patience, research, time, but also get to know your, uh, your, your players. Yeah. Learn the teams they support, their favorite players. Um, learn the players that they really want to get walk away from drafts from. Everyone publishes way too much information on Twitter. You know, I, 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 I was in a draft earlier this year, no word of a lie. Uh, I researched the people who were in that draft looked at their tweets, looked at who they'd been drafting because they post all their oh, all their draft yeah. results. And I mapped out who they're taking every round. So I knew exactly when I had to go and get a guy slight, I wanted. Slight. Yeah. All day long. And this, you know, there was one guy in this draft. I took nine of his players. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, are you just like reading my my draft queue? Because you get my guy every time. And I was like, no, you pull this information on Twitter. I just pulled it and just picked your guy. <laughs> You told me what you were doing. Like you published oh, to me what your draft plan was. Yeah. And if you're always fluid, you don't have a draft plan. You just, if yeah. you follow what happens with the board, you can't get into that trap. True. Let the board come to you. Pick a player value every single time. You'll be fine. Okay. Right on. All right. Uh, last question here, just to wrap it up, just uh, on the NFL side of things, who are some of your favorite teams leading into this year? And then uh, who is your two locks for the Super Bowl? I mean, my favorite team question. is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? So oh, I'm a Buccaneers yeah. supporter, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. For 20 years, right? So oh, I'm not okay. a bandwagon. Okay, I'm not okay. a bandwagon. I thought you were saying you're TB12. I was like, oh, okay. No, no, no. no. Nice. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm on the TB12 bandwagon now. But, um, oh, yeah, you know, I've, I've been – I went to the Super Bowl when the Bucks won it against the Raiders wow. uh, in San Diego. Um, you know, I, I've been – and watched this lose playoff games in Philly and win a playoff game in Philly. I've watched this yeah. – um, you know, I've watched I've watched games in Ray J. I've watched games here where we've absolutely sucked um, <laughs> last year against Carolina, right? So I've been a Bucks fan for a very long time. So they're they're my team, and they always will be. And I've suffered twelve years of the yucks now, so I'm looking forward to some success. <laughs> the yucks. Um, Real quick, as, do you like do you like Jameis Winston better or Sean King? Oh, Jameis Winston. I I I actually put a wild hot take right before free agency started that Jameis Winston was going to win the MVP in 2020 in Tampa. <laughs> Really? Well, I just believe it's situational, right? I just believe yeah. that he could have taken the Bucks to the playoffs. I yeah. think he would have cleared stuff up. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he, he – it, what beats Jameis Winston is Jameis Winston. No, himself, man. You can tell him yeah. back in the days in the championship and stuff like that. He would just beat himself up. Pressure would be too much for him. Yeah, and he just makes silly mistakes, and he made the same yep. mistakes over and over again. And when you get the opportunity to sign time, Tom Brady, you got you got to do it. Like, it doesn't oh, matter who QB is. I think the only QBs that you could probably say were safe from from TB12 were 
Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. I don't don't even. uh, Yeah, I mean, only dudes. I don't even think Aaron Rodgers because they took a key in the first round, right? Who's third on the depth chart now? Drew Brees, Russell Wilson. That's probably it. (laughs) Mahomes and Watson just because they just got paid. Oh, Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes and Lamar. Yeah, they would have been the four. And anyone else, you would have gone, no, they probably could have got replaced. Yeah. And and that's that's what you got to do, like in order to try and be successful. As for Super Bowl, oh, tough. Um, I I actually got asked this question, and I think it's a repeat of last year's. I think it's the 49ers and and the Chiefs. Um, I don't think the Ravens are going to be as good as they were last year. I don't think the Patriots are a threat. I don't think that anyone really is going to touch the Chiefs. And we saw it last night. That was easy for them. And they they, they strolled last night. Spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't watched it. And they they made that look like it was easy. I'm I sitting there just, yeah. It was tough. Because, all right, I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, I, you know, I read the playbook. I'm listening to all your stuff. I'm thinking CEH is going to come out and just be Dove King. And then they're just running up the middle and outside with them on a shotgun. And I'm like, what's going on here? But he still gets over 100 in a touchdown. And if they just did the most basic game plan possible, and they're still rolling and rolling and rolling. And that's what you got to look at. And, and you know, they they played a lot of cover, the Texans, and they just got picked apart, man. They're yeah, just they men did. versus boys out there. And, and I can't see past them. And, and the 49ers, I just think coach scheme. But what, what's different about the 49ers is they don't have a star. Like yeah. on the offense, they don't have a player on that offense except for Kittle. Oh, yeah. And go and go. Right, this guy's going to garner thirty percent of the touches. This guy's going to get, you know, twenty eight percent of the the snap. You know, twenty eight percent of the the rushes. Or this guy's going to get, you know, uh, a catch rate in this number because you just don't know. Kyle Shanahan's always mixing it up. It's like a, facing a whole different team every week. Yeah. And the NFC's a war. And you look at the teams that are up there. So you've got Seattle. Don't think the D's good enough. Um, no. Don't think the wide receiver talent is, is – I mean, it's good. I don't think it's – It's not developed enough. enough. Correct. I think they need another year. Yeah. Um, you look at the the Rams. They just got too many holes. They pay too many guys. They've got too many holes. I think you can take them apart. I don't even know if they make – Why didn't the they get the linemen? I don't <laughs> – Well, they can't, can't afford them. They spend all that money on Jalen Ramsey and his, and his, uh, and his trucks. Um mm. You look at the Saints, but they choke every year, so you might as well just roll them out now. Um, they just, you know, everyone talks about how great the Saints is with zero Super Bowl appearances since they went yeah. there in what is one of the most expensive rosters ever built. Fine. Seriously, fine. Um, just that I just I'm never convinced by the Saints. They could have the best roster in the world, but they choke every year. Um, they are they are effectively the Phil Mickelson of of <laughs> before he won majors. <laughs> They're like yeah. the best team. The best team never go to a Super Bowl. Yeah, that means nothing if you don't go. Um, the Bucks, I think, is just too much in one year. I think they'll give it a run, but I think it's oh, too yeah. much in, in one year. So I go with the 49ers because they 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 got smart GM, smart coach, continuity. Probably one of the best O lines. Probably one of the best D lines in football. I just can't see past them but also i wouldn't be shocked if any of the teams i mentioned would get there except for the saints because they finally stopped choking which i mean if they did that good luck to them oh man. remind me to not get you anything to put in your stocking that saints like ever and just light it on fire or something like that. i'm sure i'm sure there'll be a good home for it somewhere in in a charity bin somewhere that we could we could donate that to as a good cause oh, um, but yeah i, I, I think 
it's friendly rivalry. It's banter, right? I'm half yeah. joking, but no. Not half joking. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, um, that kind of wraps up our interview. Anything else you want to say or talk any trash to anyone in the BFFL or anything? Uh, no, I've invited them all to the Victory Parade, which is going to be in January 2021 uh, in Bristol Town Centre, which is funny because I don't live in Bristol. So I've got no affiliation to Bristol. I have my stag do there or bachelor party if you're listening to this in the US. Yeah, I've got some friends. In all actuality, I, it's a good bunch of people. Um, I've got a rivalry with Ash. I didn't even mention Ash, and he's going to kill me when he listens to this. But Ash is, runs our five yard college pod, and we're up against each other week one, the Somerset Sea Kings. Um, yeah. I, I I just love the guys in there. They're all good blokes. Um, there's some real friends in there. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, when when I win the league, um, everyone can come to the party. We'll celebrate at a socially distanced uh, nature, of course. But yeah, I just look forward to lifting the trophy and uh, not giving it back. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for having an interview with me, man. And uh, uh, good luck. Good luck on this coming year. Thanks, you too, man. And uh, anyone that wants to ask anything, you know, reach out on Twitter uh, at Private Rush or at Murph underscore NFL. I run both accounts. Um, make good luck to you. Um, I'm always here. Uh, anytime you want me back on to talk crap, I'm here. <laughs> hey, you know me, man. I'm no stranger. I'll come and take your brain anytime. Well done. Thanks for being. Yeah, thank you for being on with us. Ah, uh, mate. Thanks for having me. And that's your week two show of the From Cali to Kent podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Good luck to all the teams this week, and uh, for any Philadelphia Eagles fans out there from last week. Um, all I've got to say is. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Come on, Washington.